Kale, and welcome to Circle Talk, a podcast for seekers, initiates, and the curious by four Alexandrian witches with endless different opinions. We are your hosts. Hi, I'm James, a high priest and coven leader from just outside New Orleans, Louisiana. Hi, I'm Peter, a high priest and coven leader in South Wales. Hi, I'm Josie, a high priestess and coven leader just outside Melbourne, Australia. And I'm G, a high priestess and coven leader from the New England area of the U.S. And we are a podcast where we talk about Alexandrian witchcraft and explore differing opinions on how the Alexandrian tradition is practiced in various covens and around the globe. Listeners are reminded that while we are all initiates of the Alexandrian tradition, we only speak for ourselves and not for the tradition as a whole, which, as you know, is an impossible thing to do. This is episode 22 and our second episode of season two. If this is your first episode, welcome. You may want to take a moment to pause this and go back to listen to our introductory episodes, episode zero, introductions, and episode one, definitions, or check them out after you enjoy this one. Today's topic will be books. Which books are controversial? Which books do we have on our own coven reading lists? And what are we reading and recommending right now? I wanted to start by pointing out that Probably the most well-known book or books, depending on when you picked it up, on Alexandrian Wicca, A Witch's Bible. The Complete Witch's Handbook by Janet and Stuart Farrar, which was put together in 1996 out of two of their previous works, The Witch's Way and Eight Sabbaths for Witches. This is people's usual go-to source for information on Alexandrian Wicca. However, there are several coven leaders and initiates who prefer this book not to be read by seekers. So that's where we're going to pick up our conversation is talking about why this extremely well-known book would be sometimes not recommended to people exploring the craft. I think it gives a flavor of Alexandrian witchcraft, but I'm pretty sure it's been a long time since I actually read it from cover to cover. But I'm pretty sure that at one point in the book, they say that what we're presenting isn't Alexandrian witchcraft. It's kind of like their own flavor. Like, I know one of the things that crops up around this time of year is the battle between the Oak King and the Holly King. And seekers might not understand that that's not necessarily part of BTW of British traditional witchcraft or British traditional Wicca. And if they are spouting off, oh, yeah, I read this in the Witch's Bible, and then you have Wiccans, initiated Wiccans coming back saying, actually, that's not part of it, that just muddies the water. So I think it gives us a flavour of what possibly some Alexandrian covens could practice, but it's not necessarily Alexandrian witchcraft because, again, they were only allowed to publish what they were given the go-ahead by Doreen about. And, yeah, it's like kind of neo-wicca. Yeah, so that's completely why I don't recommend this book. And I, I don't even know if it's I don't recommend. I don't stop people from reading particular books i'm not one of those guys who tells people to avoid books because the first thing i do is run out and read them when i'm told not to so i'm not that guy however i know that this book is highly representative of just one coven's way of doing things and i don't want to hand it to very young seekers or new initiates and say here you go read this and this is what we do when it's not and it's particularly troublesome when I'm down line of the fairs and I really don't want my initiates to look at it and be like, oh, 
this is what we do. No, 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 this is not what we do. This is what they did in one particular covenant, but that's not the core lore that was passed. Yeah, it's, it's almost as if that book is like covenant memoirs, isn't it? It's about what they did and not necessarily about what the whole of the wicked do. Because like G told you in the introduction, that's an impossible thing for us to talk about the whole of the wicker. And I'm almost certain that I do have this on my first degree reading, recommended reading material, only because it's such a widely quoted book that I want my new initiates to be able to at least partake in discussions about this book. Oh, have you read this bit? Have you read that bit? What are your thoughts on it? Kind of thing. And, you know, we got to remember that this, this book or... You know, the combination of these two books was almost groundbreaking. You know, you have this one book which purports to contain everything and you've got lots and lots of people going out and buying it and then practicing it. And yeah, that could be a valid form of witchcraft. But I think it was definitely influential in getting a lot of witchcraft or a lot of wicker off the ground early, early on, kind of. I think, you know, part of the elephant in this conversation, part of the elephant in the room on this is... There are spoilers in the book. There are spoilers for certain rituals. There are spoilers for the way that things are done. And part of this boils down to when we think about protecting the mysteries, does that mean never letting anybody see any part of them? Or do people lean on the side of, I could hand you the exact ritual, have you read it, and it doesn't really matter. You're not going to get it until you're actually in it, right? And like where people fall on that spectrum might depend on whether or not they recommend this book to seekers because there are people who just think any sort of spoilers could be oath-breaking and then i think there's a part of it that's also do you not want any spoilers for your seekers or do you leave it up to the seeker as to whether or not they want spoilers right like i'm the kind of person i don't think i would have done this for my initiation but i'm that horrible person who like looks up the end of movies if things get too stressful in the movie like i just got to know what's going to happen i prefer i like a spoiler And so I know that there are people out there, you know, who maybe might want to know. I think my recommendation is probably maybe don't dive into those parts of the book that are going to be spoilery. But I also am willing to, like, leave that up to the person. We talked about this conversation. I find sometimes when we're getting ready to record an episode, for whatever reason, things pop up in my real life about it. And so during our ritual last night, somebody asked this question. And exactly the point that you guys just mentioned came up where one of our elders was like, yes, but the problem is it is a snapshot of one coven's practice at one point in time. And people think that this is Alexandrian Wicca and it's not. And then, of course, you have the added problem of people think if they do this stuff in this book, they're Alexandrians and they're still not. So, yeah. Yeah, I I think one of the big things for me is spoilers. I know in my out of court like overview of the syllabus and the curriculum, is it asks those that are following this course to shy away from anything by the Faraz, just because um I don't want any spoilers. And yes, Wicca is an experiential religion. You know, you have to be initiated and experience those mysteries, but also it's it, it it's like any you know any kind of good book that you're reading. And if it's in a series, you don't necessarily want to know what the end goal is. I think if you do read about it, it does take away that little bit of mysticism, that little bit of magic. And I want all the magic when I'm initiating somebody. I want to keep it all kind of contained. 
you know, I've, I've also said, if you have read anything by the Faraz, then that's fine, you know, because again, Wicker is experiential. You experience the mysteries, even if you happen to read about them. It's just, it's a, it's a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, but it's not, nobody's thrown open the whole, this metaphor ran away with me really quick, <laughs> but nobody threw open the whole window, no, Sash. Nobody the whole the, Yeah, it's not a total peep show here. It's just, you know, a little bit of a boop. It's the burlesque. <laughs> this is, yes, it's the burlesque. It is. Ooh. <laughs> what could it be? I have a complex relationship with this book and Seekers because I've had people come to me because they read this book and it got them interested in Wicca. And I, I wouldn't have certain Seekers if this book didn't exist. But at the same time, you're absolutely right. It's a very specific time capsule of a very specific form of Alexandrian Wicca that was practiced in a very specific part of the world. And it doesn't look a lot like what I do. Apart from all the doilies, you have to Apart have all, all the, the doilies. doilies. Yeah. Got to have those on, on each oh, mini yeah, altar and main that's altar. That's oatbound. God. <gasps> oh, sorry. Sorry. What are you cut, doing? Cut this, cut this bit cut out. The, cut this cut bit the out. doilies out. Oh, cut God. the doilies out. But the thing is, right, they're going to be listeners going, what the fuck are doilies? What is a doily? Like, we know people are going to be listening. And I they do don't think know what a doily is. I do think well, as a society, we've degree, aged past. <laughs> Doilies. Doilies and oil-filled lamps. Mm-mm-mm. Give me all of that. <laughs> My favourite thing from that book, actually, is the um, they write about having a crown of candles um, for a certain holiday, but they actually have a safety in there where they're like, use tinfoil underneath so your hair doesn't catch fire. And that's far less alarming than what I've read in other texts that are just like, just wear some candles on your head. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. It's like, no. Don't put the flames don't, near the hair. No, don't put I the wrote flames this near book. the hair. It's, all, it's called yeah. fire magic. Yeah. Let me tell you about the flames. Flames? <laughs> I can't remember where, but I'm sure there is um, a Germanic country or like a Scandinavian country where they still do this in the community. But it's not with open flames. I think it's Sweden. With battery. It, is it Sweden? It might be. Well, it, either way. But now they they use a crown, which is powered by battery. So it's reusable as well. You know, just make sure you dispose of the battery safely, everybody. I think Sweden. Sweden. Okay, there we go. You guys can look it up. Listeners, it's your task to look it up. So aside from... All of these points about the Witch's Bible, the Ferraris book or books. Um, are there any other books that you personally don't recommend for seekers or that you've seen other people not recommend for various reasons? I avoid books that claim to be teaching or giving an overview of Wicca that are not written by initiates. Um, not because I necessarily think those are bad books, but you're trying to learn from a traditional coven. You should probably read what Initius wrote. That's a good point. And I'll add to that. Any books, any books that claim that they have the book on Alexandrian Wicca or the book on Gardnerian Wicca, Gardner's books perhaps are the exception that gets to say that this is the book on Gardnerian Wicca. Any book that's sort of claiming that they've got the one true way or that they're giving you hints about the one true way and I have the true 
information. Those are things I wouldn't recommend until somebody's ready to be discerning enough to understand that that individual is incorrect at the nicest level and just plain old full of themselves at the lowest level. I think like what we got to remember is that sometimes we talk about two different kinds of wicker on this podcast, don't we? We talk about the wicker that can be found in books that you could pick up and you can just start practicing and call yourself Wiccan. And then we talk about British traditional witchcraft, British traditional Wicca. And I think the problem that we have at the moment is that there's so much information out there that is written by non-initiates and by people who are not Wiccan about Wicca that you are more than likely to pick up one of those books these days than books written by initiates and then start going around calling yourself Wiccan. That's fine. You know, you can call yourself whatever. But if you come up to me and say I'm Wiccan, one of my first questions is going to be, okay, are you initiated? And then that kind of, that kind of ensues that conversation of no, but no, 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 but so you just need to say no, because then I know that we're talking about two different kinds of, of Wicca. And that's not me, you know, being snobby. That's just me saying, okay, you're talking about this kind of Wicca. When I talk about it, I mean this kind of Wicca. You know, it's, it's just a sad fact that there are more non-initiates writing books about Wicca you know, like kind of Wicca 1C, Wicca 2Cs, whatever, then there are new initiates writing books about initiatory Wicca. And, and, and I think that's our problem at the moment. Can I say something as an initiate who writes books? Yes. Yes. It's really it. hard to write about Wicca as an mm. initiate. Because so, of all the oaths. Because of the oaths. Yeah. So you often find yeah. yourself just not doing it. Or just talking in such ridiculous riddles that no one's going to understand what you're saying anyway. Only when the initiates read it, they're like, I know exactly what she means. <laughs> and all of the non-initiates are like, what's she talking about? What's going on? Another book that I think people don't recommend, partially because of spoilers, is uh, one of Vivian Crowley's books, Wicca, The Old Religion and the New Millennium. This is actually, it had been so long since I had read the book that I tossed it on my pre-initiate reading list. And then my students were like clutching their pearls. They were like, I think something got spoiled. And I was like, oh, yeah, so sorry. Like, I didn't give it a reread before I put it on the list. It's been a while. And I'm like, it's fine. Like, I wouldn't, you know, I was like, you haven't taken any O's. I really wouldn't worry about having knowledge. But again, I think this falls under the like, if you really want to avoid spoilers or if you're concerned about people about coven leaders not wanting you to have read these books. You know, if you're a seeker, make your own judgments. Um, and if you, like me, coven leaders, haven't read something in a while, just a quick heads up that this particular book does, in fact, contain certain kinds of spoilers in small doses. So just keep, just, just FYI. Um, people have said the same thing about High Magic's Aid, I think, but High Magic's Aid is so widely recommended it's you know by Gardner and it's written as as fiction for that reason so that you know you can learn stuff through a fictional lens but I've I very rarely see anybody saying don't read that book. Well, Gardner actually used it as a a recruiting tool back in the day. He would it was before the witchcraft laws in uh, England were repealed, yeah. so he wrote this book. And if he thought you might be interested in the craft, he but here's this book. Give it a read. Tell me what you think. And then he would probe them and see if they were worth initiating after that. 
you know, and then the witchcraft laws got repealed and all bets were off and he wrote his other books. I was just going to say the thing about spoilers is that unless they're presented in context, they don't really come as spoilers, do they? Or they don't really mean anything like Gardner could have dabbled, could have salted high magic's aid with all kinds of information that one may later see. But since it's presented totally out of context, it really doesn't matter, does it? You don't have the whole story. You've got a word or a sentence or a phrase and it just doesn't without everything else it it really doesn't make any sense it doesn't matter i think so i'm gonna lay you in on a little secret now i'm guilty of so with with vivian crowley's book wicca the old religion in the new millennium i've not actually read it now i don't know why i've not read it because it is it is recommended everywhere you go but I only ever recommend it because other initiates say, oh, this is a good book. This is, you need to read it. So I only ever kind of rehash that. Oh yeah, this is a good book. You need to read it. But I've never actually read it. I have a copy. A friend gave me a copy. So it is on my own reading list and I will get it read and I will come back with an opinion. But yeah, I've never actually read that book. And like, there's a lot of Gardner's books that I've not read just because the print is so goddamn small. <laughs> you think, you think, oh, look, this is a, this is a, a rather thin book. And then you open it and it's like size, size font one. And you've got like a little magnifying glass. And I'm like, oh my God, no, Gardner, why? I know you want to keep costs down, but at the same time, seriously, I'm no spring chicken anymore. And I need one of those really big magnifying glasses that you used to put in front of the television in order to magnify the TV. But yeah, yeah, that's me. It's out of the bag now. <laughs> I just laughed so hard that I startled my dog. <laughs> we need an audiobook of Gardner's work, I feel. I desperately need an audiobook of some of Gardner's works, but can I just tell you, and maybe we'll cut this out, but I've never read Triumph of the Moon. This I'm the same way. I recommend books because I, I just haven't. I haven't read Triumph of the Moon. James is like clutching his pearls. And <laughs> I, so I downloaded it on audiobook because I don't, I have very little time for actual reading, but I commute three hours a day. So I downloaded it on audiobook and it is the worst, the worst audiobook I have ever come across. I was like, it's okay. I'll do this as a chapter a day. And by day two, I was like, absolutely fucking, I cannot, I cannot. It is horrible. Go download it. I think it's on Scribd. It's on Hoopla. I don't know if you guys have that, but, um, it's like the goddess came down. It, I mean, it is. I'm not. It is. Maybe I'll play a little bit for you later. It's horrible. Can we spend some time talking about shit pagan audiobooks? Because quite a few have been ruined for me in that way. Sorry, keep going. No, it's true. I think that's true. And I want to. Well, no, let's talk a moment about it since I we're think, talking about books because it's so hard. I think maybe there's a gap in the market here, guys, where. We could do Circle Talk Presents Gardener's Works audio version. <laughs> I mean, we haven't had been threatened with a lawsuit yet, so let's go. <laughs> let's, let's keep going until until a letter arrives in a brown envelope. <laughs> I've thought about it. We could take turns reading chapters and then put it together. I wonder who we'd have to get permission from because or like what we can read that's out of copyright at this point. Because be it's fun. it's really really hard and it's unfortunate because modernity sucks and a lot of us lead very difficult very busy lives where sitting down to read an actual book is difficult all my reading time is like i'm commuting i'm doing dishes 
I'm folding laundry, I'm cooking. That's when I read books and pagan books, Wiccan books are just not available um, for the most part via audiobook. And it, it's a real struggle. Yeah, for sure. My commute's like an hour and a bit each way every day. I, I really like pagan books, but often, and I don't mean to sound anti-American, but often they have these American like voice actors reading them and they're not they're not good. They feel like newsreader voices a lot of the time. Jason Menke's um Horned God book was a good example. There was this guy, he had this accent. He said Kernunos really loudly. And I just couldn't. Maybe we should reach out to Stephen Fry and get Stephen Fry to do like all of the pagan audiobooks. Wouldn't that be cool? I'd pitch in to pay Stephen Fry to do these books. (laughs) Or maybe like um what are, what are some of those actors? Hugh Grant from the film that I'm thinking of in my head, which I can't think of right now. Oh my Not goodness. Actually. Yeah. I was, I was watching that last night. But yeah, it's maybe so Hugh funny. Grant. It's, I read a, a book re- recently. I listened to it on audiobook and I'll, I'll recommend it later, but it was written by a Welshman and they got, not a Welshman, a Welshman instead of a Welshman, a Welshman, Welshman. also a Welshman who wrote the book and they got someone who could also presumably as far as I could tell to the untrained ear was also Welsh. And so that really helped a lot because of course there's a lot of Welsh language popped in there. So I'm like, this was a nice reader choice. Like, thank you very much for making the correct choice and having someone who can actually do justice to this book. Like those kinds of things are really important, but a lot of times they really, it's just cheap. They have an English lady reading Mara Starling's book about Welsh witchcraft why why no i don't know if she gets the pronunciation right but i was you know what yeah in in fact i think i i'm sure mara salim put a post up when her book first came out saying that she was disappointed in in the audio book because of the pronunciation and i'm almost certain that chris hughes when he but when he writes his books, I'm almost certain he puts like pronunciation guides at the back of his book, but also uploads YouTube videos of how to pronounce all the glossary words, how to pronounce these words, you know. And I think that's important because if you're if you're reading any kind of book, especially books about about BTW and about witchcraft, some of the you know like some of the words, some of the names, like. The tool that begins with A, which which we all pronounce differently, you know, I think standardized pronunciation is important when you're talking to a collective group of people so that you can join in in those conversations and not feel like an idiot when you realize that you're pronouncing that one word differently and everybody else is saying this. But especially with like languages and Welsh, you know, guys, I get it. I get it. Trust me. So we've we sorry, we wandered quite a bit, but. Are there any other books that people would not recommend, even if it's just sort of generically to seekers, or should we move on? Now, I know that I've mentioned this in the past, and when I wrote it down, I immediately remember when Jane said to us, if you rec- if you say to me not to read a book, I'm going to read it even more. I'm going to read it harder. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. But, you know, just just because of the misinformation, and we all know that... Alex was a fan of playing tricks maybe on people and saying this, that, and the other. But I wouldn't recommend June Johns' book, King of the Witches, 
like I'm not going to I'm not going to rehash old you know old podcasts find it when I said it why but I wouldn't necessarily recommend that book I eventually want my initiates to read it <laughs> with, material. well I want them to read it with the context of why it was written the way it was written mm. Alex's influence why he wanted the world perspective that he was given that he was a showman so on and so forth so it really helps give historic context behind the person from what he wanted the world to see perspective you yeah. have to balance that book with the understanding of other parts of Alexandrian practice and what Ale- who Alex actually was. So uh, Coin for the Ferryman has a good balance against that book, but you need to give it within context. So I don't tell Anisius to avoid it. However, when it pops up on the list, as with anything else I give them, I go, here's the context to keep in mind when reading this. It's like uh, some of Dion mm. Fortune's books. There's some valuable information in there, and then there's some anti-Semitic stuff in there, and you need to cut that mm. shafe out and move on. Yeah, like my my worry with with this particular book is that unless you have that context available, unless somebody is saying to you, "This bit is wrong," this bit was embellished, this bit was you know whatever, unless you have that context, there are people that are, that are out there that are going to run with the entirety of that book without knowing anything else and just say, oh yeah, you know, Alex was initiated by his, by his Welsh grandmother. He wasn't. And if you've got people spouting that off year after year, it becomes more difficult for us to then kind of unpick that and unpack that and say, well, actually, no, because of, you know, that's, that's kind of like my only, that's one of the main reasons why I say, mm, if you want to read it, fine, but I'm not going to recommend it to you just because, we know certain things now. We know certain things that were written in that book are, are complete lies. Whether it was for whatever reason, I think at this this point in the game is is irrespective. And I just think I shouldn't necessarily be pushing that, saying, oh yeah, you know, that 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 could be one line of inquiry where actually we know it's just not. I get off my soapbox. <laughs> I think also the thing of nothing's ever created in a vacuum right like mm. that book like all books is a product of its time you could argue the same thing about reading Gardner's work and reading about Gardner I'd probably recommend someone looked at a biography like a recent biography of Gardner probably a Heselton bi- biography of Gardner before yeah. they looked at his work no I think yes Alex was a showman but Gerald Uncle Gerald very much with respect, very much was recruiting people, right? He, his purpose, his goal was to make sure that Wicca took off and kept running. And there are things that he had to do, like publish a variety of books, like do interviews, like, you know, a variety of things in order to meet that goal. And so, yeah, I think, you know, both of them were doing this in wildly different ways. They had a similar goal of making sure that Perhaps Alex wanted the attention slightly more for the attention's sake, but they both had the same goal of making sure that this took off and went running. And so I do think there's something to be said for that. Exactly. Um, and regardless of what we think of it, we none of us would be sitting here if it wasn't for that extra push into publicity and, and the public life. Right. Yeah. What about, do we think there's any, I know I have a definitive opinion on this. Does anybody 
not recommend books because they think that they are too dangerous or too high level for folks. There's a lot of shaking heads. No, that's gross. No, I work as a teacher librarian. Read all the books. And critically examine them within the context of the author's writing and or background. Yeah. I mean, there are books which I know there are some initiates have said don't read because we find the techniques within those books a little bit too advanced for maybe what should be in the public sphere, the public domain. Like I'm, I'm almost certain that I've mentioned this book in the past and we've mentioned this book in the past as a podcast, but one of them is uh, Janet Farrar's and Gavin Bones' Lifting the Veil, A Witch's Guide to Transpoffs, Drawing Down the Moon and the Sadical Ritual. It's a very long title. And there are techniques within that book, which I know that some BTW initiates have said, don't, don't read it, don't do those. And I think they're not saying don't do them because they're dangerous, but I think what they're saying is don't do them without knowing what you're doing, unless you have somebody there with you who is going to be your watcher or in the in the in the context of a traditional coven i'm not going to say to people don't read those books apart from the june john i'm not going to say don't read those books because i think any any book has some sort of value apart from the june john and yeah that's that's one of the books that's one of the books but you know i have it on um one of the degrees i'm not going to say necessarily which one but it's on one of the degrees reading lists just because like, I suppose the title gives it away, <laughs> you know, early, early initiates were big into the, into ecstatic ritual and trance. And I think bringing that into at least my practice is something that I'm, I'm really into. So yeah, one book that is possibly dangerous, but I don't think really is. I think I'm a little bit, there are very few aspects of my life in which I am optimistic, but I do tend to think that complicated, high level, whatever level and whatever high means in this context, strategies, techniques, complex magic, complex trance work, I think are self-limiting. Like I tend to believe that people can't really get themselves into that much trouble if they don't know what they're doing. And people who do know what they're doing mm-hmm. are able to sort of deal with whatever the situation is. I I don't think anybody's going to accidentally work themselves into like a psychotic break or accidentally summon like the wrong kind of demon to their dinner table. I think most of these things are limited by one's level of training, ability, and so on. And so I don't, I think knowledge is not problematic at all. I think people should dabble. And then if they run into issues, they run into issues. I think people have to dabble. Like, you need to screw up magic at some point. You will learn so much more about what you were doing and the things you did to fix it than some theory you got or training you received. It's the real-life experience of, oh, it did show up in the triangle and I didn't ward correctly. It's, It's important. Go dabble. Fuck it up. Read all the books. Have fun. I think also the... Sorry. No, I just said fuck around and find out. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think also the Farrah's book and a lot of those trancy books like the Diana Paxson one, which I'll talk about later, come with a lot of warnings and a lot of kind of safety advice too and then things to follow. So read what you like, but read all of it. Yeah, don't just stop at kind of one chapter. Like read the whole book a couple of times, then go back to the beginning and read it again. And then and then maybe have a look at doing some of the some of the exercises. But yeah, like I, I don't disagree with what anybody is saying here about you know, you're not going to summon. And gee, you said the wrong kind of demon. I want to know what you think is the right kind of demon at the dinner table. <laughs> what, what What is their name? Because I want that guess. But yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree with anybody. That's classified information. It's oath-bound material. I, I don't, sum, I don't <laughs> summon intel. <laughs> you can tell me after we, we finish this this podcast. Sure, after sure. you've clicked done. Sure. <laughs> I think that was a really nice transition, Peter, because you mentioned your reading, your recommended reading list. So let's transition into talking about what is on our reading list. And I think probably they're quite long. And maybe if we wanted, we could like put links to them in the show notes. Like I'm happy to put my like pre-dedication or whatever reading list in the show notes. Um, but what are like three books that you recommend to We'll start at the seeker level. What are three books that are on your like recommended or required reading for seekers? I don't have any required reading for seekers. Zero right. zip, not a lesson, so I'm not quite any. However, I do have one recommended book if I don't think they have a background in having sought traditional Wicca for a while. And that's Thorn Mooney's book, Traditional Wicca, A yep. Guide for a Solitary Seeker. But that's or a seeker guide. That's it. Like, that doesn't mean I, I don't work with them on books. Like, sometimes one of them would be like, hey, what should I be reading next? And we'll have a conversation and we'll, we'll end up settling on a book. But those are all unique to the seeker. The rest of all my books are on the other side of the initiation wall. And what do you think is the most useful part? Because I think um, Thorne Mooney's book, in my opinion, it's most useful just because it's such good common sense advice for like, how do you reach out to other people? How do you some some skills that as adults we've forgotten because nobody's sitting us down to write business letters anymore, right? How do you how do you send an email? How do you communicate with other people? How do you find covens? Like I feel her practical advice is really um, useful in that book. Are there any other bits that you find particularly helpful? Some of the the basic overview things, although I'm going to discuss them at some point. She does so, and they get to see it from a perspective other than my mouth. I think that's important, is it validates some of the words I'm saying later on. Yeah, I think that's really important, because Thorne's book, it's, it's on my recommended reading list as well. And I think that that's a really valid point, James, that it validates what the teacher is also saying. It's not just, oh, you know, I'm making this up kind of thing. Yeah, it validates what you're saying. So it's kind of like going back to when we spoke about putting the teacher on a pedestal a, a couple of, um, or a few episodes ago. You know, if it's coming from multiple sources, then it's, you know, more or less good information. I like the fact that I find Thorne's book pretty comprehensive. There's lots of books that you can pick up that you can practice from, and this isn't necessarily an exercise and practice book. It's more of a given information. How do you approach a coven? How do you find a coven? What, what are the red flags kind of thing? 
I think a lot of this kind of like you said, G, you know, we're not being taught this as adults. So I think having it in one place, especially for something like witchcraft and Wicca is really important. Thorns book is the only book that I have on my out to court recommended reading list. And it's recommended because I know that, you know, times are hard at the moment. If you can't afford 20 odd quid, 15 odd quid, that's, you know, it's a lot. So it's not that they have to go out and get this book. If they can, great, amazing. There's chapters that are linked to the lessons that I've, that I've put out there. But yeah, that's the only one that I have that's currently sitting on my out of court recommended reading list. Funny you should mention it. It's pretty much the only book I recommend to Seekers as well. When it came out, it was the only sort of thing available that was written recently. And I know firsthand and I've heard other accounts of people who were already, not just Seekers, but people who were already involved in Wicca for whom it really opened their eyes and made them realise that some of the situations they were in maybe weren't so great or so safe or so quote-unquote normal for a Wiccan group. This book literally changed people's paths, I think, and and that's not to be discredited. That's great. I have more books on my list. I've got, in addition to that, I've got Thea Sabin's book, Wicca for Beginners, Fundamentals of Philosophy and Practice. I should say that the line between books that you have to read before dedication, because we do do a dedicated process and after dedication, but before first degree is kind of a blurry line. But these are the ones that I specifically say, like, really should be read as early as possible. So Wicca for Beginners, The Fundamentals of Philosophy and Practice by Thea Sabin, because I think it gives just a really nice low key overview, but without any of the fluff. I also recommend that people do Crafting a Daily Practice by T. Thorne Coyle. In that book, T. Thorne Coyle gives week-by-week practices to start developing your personal practice in really concrete, tangible ways. It, for me, was a majorly, I read it during COVID, during the pandemic, and for me, it was very formative in the way that I thought about what a daily practice should look like or had to look like. I love the way that T. Thorne Coyle introduces new practices, and so you kind of try out a variety of techniques and then keep things as you go or let sort of let things go if they're not working for you as you go through. I want to say it's like a 10-week process. So I really recommend that for my seekers because I think sometimes that's the hardest thing is developing your personal practice and just sort of getting your spiritual ball rolling. And this is a nice way of doing that, in my opinion. The only other thing that I would add to that my list, I guess, that I like people to read before initiation is The Hogfather by Terry Pratchett and the Tiffany Aiken books before, um, also by Terry Pratchett. If people can get to them before initiation, I really like people to read them. One, I think that they offer a really interesting view on deity, myth, tradition, and their value. And also I think the Tiffany Aiken books and the witches books in general by Terry Pratchett give a very non-magical sort of down and dirty perspective on what a witch does which is quite different from what priesthood does i want to acknowledge but i like how boring he makes it seem or how like how much he, that that he like appreciates the hard work of it um so those are the only other things on my pre-initiation sort of idealist yeah i've got the pratchett books on my list of things to talk about later on as well I love the witch books, especially. Um, I love that quote about um, the natural number of a coven is one because witches can't agree on anything. And it just rings very true for me. Ding, ding, ding. So, what are some books that you want people in your coven 
to read that you that you suggest for people in your coven to read? So for me, I really like the history of the craft and knowing where things come from. I think being a new and relatively newish religion now, you know, relatively a new cult, it's nice to know where things came from. And sometimes we can look at craft history and it can be a little bit shady. So I, I recommend um, any of Sarita Dest's and David Rankin's book, but in particular, Wicker Magical Beginnings and also Circle of Fire. There's a lot of, I think craft history is maybe the wrong word for these two books, but they both go in to quite a lot of detail talking about where elements and certain rituals or mini rituals within within like the, the whole Wiccan framework come from, it's always going to be on my recommended list for initiates, those two books in particular, apart from obviously Lifting the Veil as well. On my current reading list for myself, I'm working my way through Jack Charnock's Kabbalah for Wiccans as well, just because that's one of the more recent books written from a Wiccan point of view for Kabbalah. So yeah, those are kind of books that I would recommend for new initiates or initiates working their way through kind of the work of the circle and the degrees. I'm going to plus one, uh, Wicker Circle of Fire. It's one of the first things I hand over as well. I really like it because it's small and accessible too. It's good if you have people join you who aren't big readers as well. We need to acknowledge that um, in this day and age when literacy rates are dropping hugely we're at about 55 percent um functionally literate in most developed countries now it's slightly less in some of them um not everybody is a big reader and that shouldn't cut you out of the craft it's almost ableist i guess Uh, circle of fire is really accessible in that way it's really no nonsense i really like the way they write about wicca i don't know if i'd recommend Magical beginnings. I think I disagree on that. Maybe not for a brand new initiate, but I don't know. I don't know why. It does go into very minute detail about very specific bits of Wiccan law, I suppose. And I don't know mm. that that's my priority. I think I'm just a bit different to you, Peter. I don't think it's right or wrong, and I can see why you're doing it. And I, I love talking about history too, but I think I think I'd make them read The Circle of Fire. Yeah, I mean, those two books, I I definitely wouldn't recommend to non-initiates just because I feel that there is a lot of information that unless you're an initiate, you just don't need. Like, it it talks about certain mini rituals within, like, the Wiccan framework. And I'm like, unless you're an initiate, you you don't need to know any of this. Like, it's not pertinent to your journey unless you're an initiate, in my opinion. So the first book that I'm looking at is not actually about the Wicca. And a retired high priest turned me on to it. I gave it a read. It's really short. It's only like 72 pages. And I think it needs to be like out the gate. And it's called Illusions, the Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. And it really helps put the idea of the only person responsible for your spirituality and can validate your spirituality is you. And I'm framing that right up front before we dig into anything else. Um, Beyond that, 
it, 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 it varies a little. Like the Ferrars books do make an appearance, but I have things like Witchcraft Today, 50 Years of Wicca. Um, but then I have other books like The Tower of Pooh, you know, The Power of Myth, because you need to step outside of just the the published hush-hush work and explore some perspective challenging or uh, rewriting books. So those are some of the things that are on my list after first. I just love watching like our three reaction to James's books. We all get like a notepad out. I saw Josie picking up her pen and going, hmm, what little nuggets am I going to get today? Because <laughs> I did the same. I was like typing away my little notepad as well. <laughs> Let's be real, this whole podcast is just a pretext for us mining James for information. Let, shh, shh, don't tell him that. Don't let him know this. <laughs> I'm going to need you to read Triumph of the Moon. Oh, and Trials, of, big, and trials of the Moon. You you can't read Triumph and not read I'm Trials. Wrong. It's such a big book. So, <sighs> trials of the him. Moon is a companion book written by an Alexandrian high priest after that book came out and he went, Ooh, you missed a bit. And I did not even know that that book existed. Josie, get the pen out. It's by (laughs) uh, Ben Whitmore and it's not a very long book, but there are just some points of contention and or historical. Hey, you forgot to talk about this area of our history and this, and you need to read both Mm. together. Like, I love, I love Ronald's books. And I had, what's the one about the Druids, Blood and Mistletoe? I think it was Druids, Blood and Mistletoe, bought for me one time at, at Yuletide. The book is massive. It is apt. And again, size one font. And I'm like, no. And I do like reading academic texts because I think we can glean a lot from things that, the, that were written down about witchcraft practices by people who were not necessarily witches and thought we will write about this because, you know, just kind of like like the the, the Christians did, we're going to write about this in order that no one ever practices it again. And we're like, ooh, a manuscript, a new book for us to use. But I'm just like, yeah, Ronald, your books are so, so, so thick. I need an audio book. I need an audio book. Right, add this to the list. Triumph of the Moon and Trials of the Moon audio books by Circle Talk for Witches. And, wh- and while I'm still unmuted, the, uh, the other books that I would recommend for initiate reading are the books by, I've forgotten his name, Philip Heselton. Any books by Philip Heselton. I mean, the one, uh, his, one of his most recent, recent books talks about In Search of the New Forest Coven, which is the coven that Gardner said that he... Well, and I use the word coven loosely there. If, you re- if you've read the book or you do read it, you'll know why, you'll understand why. But it's, it's about the practices that Gardner was initiated into. And yeah, we need an Alexandrian version of Ronald Hutton because that would just be amazing. Amazing. Well, get to it, Peter. Oh, I don't know about that. That's, that's a big undertaking. That's a big <laughs> undertaking. I don't think I can fill those books. No chance. I'm more than happy to make the audiobooks because I know that people love my voice. I'm more than happy to do that. <laughs> so humble, so willing to sacrifice. Yeah. I think this we is my sacrifice pitch... to the pagan community. Let's pitch an additional podcast where 
Peter and I just read Triumph of the Moon and just moan all the way through it about how long it is. Oh, I, would, I would listen to that. 10 out, <laughs> ten out of 10. Would, would recommend. Listen. Would recommend. Episode one. Oh, so long. I also had Heselton on my list. This podcast is turning out really boring because we're all like, what do you have on your list? Your list? Yeah. Oh, oh it's exactly it my list. <laughs> me as well. Oh. <laughs> anyway, it's practiced differently all over the world. Um, the other thing I had on here that hasn't been talked about yet is um, Transformative Witchcraft by Jason Menke. It's a really accessible, again, I've used that word accessible, but it's a really accessible but in-depth look uh, at a lot of different sort of aspects of traditional Wicca. And his history, he's kind of broken down history of Gardner and the New Forest Witches especially, is a really good introduction and something that that chapter especially I point even newbies towards to get kind of a feel for where it's all come from. It's all, we, we can cut this bit up. We're just going to sit, you know, in silence until G comes back. <laughs> so we'll just sit here. Let's just say all the swear words while we're waiting for it. No, it's Autumn. a good opportunity for y'all to start reading Triumph of the Moon. Oh. Oh. Uh, James, I got a bad idea. Go get it from your shelf and you can start reading it to us. That's so much work. I have to get up. <laughs> <sighs> I have to walk them. upstairs. No <laughs> I remember being at um, I remember being at Pride one time, and there was there was a pagan like book stand or like 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 a pagan marquee, and um, we were talking about witchcraft books, and and one of the guys said, "Have you read Trite for the Moon?" And I was like, "No," and he was like, "Oh." And he was like clutching his pearls. And he's like, you have to, you have to, you can't call yourself a witch and not read it. And at that time, I wasn't really into Wicca. I was just into witchcraft. And I was like, don't need to read that book. It's about Wicca. It's not me. And now I'm like, <laughs> maybe I should read that book because I am a bit of the Wicca. <laughs> that reminds me of all those books where they spend the first three chapters being like, oh, I'm not Wiccan. I don't do oh, Wicca. I wouldn't don't. do Wicca. I'm not a traditional Wiccan. Anyway, chapter three. Here's how I cast a circle. <laughs> here's how I call the call the quarters. And I'm like, sit <laughs> oh, down. Goddess and horned god. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Oh, how do you bless the elements? Hmm. Sit down. <laughs> sit down. Where um I'm sorry, where are we in our discussion? I have no idea who's gone and shared their books yet. We went on a side tangent about No, a side tangent. Well, you left, so it was a perfect opportunity for them to start reading Triumph of the Moon while waiting. James just started swearing. Basically, he did. He He said the C word? He did. Oh my Bas- god. This is James. exactly what happens in class. The teacher just left. Who are you? Yeah, Josie really. Josie is now snitching, James is cursing, and I'm just like the one in the corner being the, the perfect model student until the teacher Reading comes Triumph back. of the Moon. <laughs> you read a Triumph of the Moon. <laughs> Converting it into some sort of audio book. <laughs> you were Googling the cliff notes, so stop lying. I, I, I basically read the blurb. I read the blurb at the back of the book, and I, now, I, now I feel as if I've read it. So let's discuss Triumph of the Moon. Things I didn't hear, but that I like people to read. Post-initiation, I do really like A Comprehensive Guide to the Old Religion and Modern World by Vivian Crowley. I think she gives a really good, and it, it kind of comes down to just confirming what your teacher is telling you. She gives good um, explanations for why we do things the way we do things. 
that I think are really useful. Uh, the Keys to Perception by Evo Dominguez, I think, is an excellent both pri- like from primer to advanced work in terms of psychic development and the ways that you can work in a group on psychic development. I think, Josie, that's the book that you were bitching about having to buy at the beginning of our, of our Solstice episode. Um, and the other one, which is totally off the beaten path, is a graphic novel series by Alan Moore called Promethea. It is fantastic. It is Alan Moore's take on a journey through the tree of life. The illustrations, of course, are absolutely gorgeous. I have, I feel some kind of way about Alan Moore, but um, Promethea is a really fantastic, especially if you've done any any sort of reading or work into the tree of life or you know uh, esoteric or occult Kabbalah. It's a really, really excellent um, and bizarre. So would recommend that as well and it's on my on my list can i add a wild card that i just thought of yes i'm gonna do it i'm off we're off the map um small gods by terry pratchett i know we've talked about the pratchett witches book but small gods especially is a really just an excellent look at gods and belief and deity and how humans approach deity and you should read it that is on that is actually like Small Gods and Hogfather is on my, um, if I had to pick one, I would pick Hogfather, but I recommend both for the same exact reason. I find recommending books for, I suppose, advanced first degree is the wrong word, but people who are transitioning from first to, to second or first to second and third, I find it difficult sometimes recommending books because I think by the time you you get to that liminal space, that the kind of threshold to the high priesthood, you should you should be finding your own groove and really my recommended reading list is really influenced by my personal practice and my personal path within Wicca so I'm I'm always really conscious about saying oh you should you should read this like I know I've mentioned in previous podcasts about Kobe Michael's um poison herbal book you know that I that's not on there at the moment but I know it's something that I'm going to recommend because working with poisonous plants is part of my personal practice. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pass this on. So I always find it difficult where I draw the line between this was helpful for me, so you should read it. And this is going to be helpful to you, so you should read it. Does it, If that makes any kind of sense. I do. And I agree with that. I think by the time people are heading towards second and third degree, people should be focusing on an area of specialization and so they should kind of pick their own i also would say for people in particular who are interested in running a coven i recommend certain books that are geared towards that first of all thea sabin has a book on teaching um that's as a teacher you're reading it and you're like oh this is just pedagogy but if you're not a teacher i think it's really good advice on teaching Pagan Book of Living and Dying by Starhawk, As the Last Leaf Falls by Christopher Hughes. Just because even though we are not, as priests of the Wicca, we are not ministers or, or um, what's that C word that's kind of like a minister? Clergy. Oh, thank you, clergy. You do end up counseling or working with members of your coven around life transitions, right? And also, I think having a really being comfortable with the various life transitions, being comfortable with death and preparedness and talking about those things is really important, the more advanced you get in your practice. So I think that those are really important for people to be comfortable with. And I would also add that like 
Coven Craft by our old favorite Amber K. Um, Judy Harrow has a book, Wicca Covens. So like these are just different. That's two categories, right? One is like coven dynamics and how do you work with a group? And the the other category is sort of being familiar with the fact that people are going to want advice from you on stuff like a family member just died. How do I honor them? You know, or like people are going to want you to perform like we had a baby. Children aren't welcome in our coven. But can you help us write a ritual for that? So those would be the two categories I recommend for like upper, upper level work, I guess. I'm going to reiterate how important some of that is. As coven leaders, you never know when you're going to get called on. You know, I, I've done graveside rites, and I had no one to reach out to and be like, hey, what's your perspective? Because who's done that? So it took a whole lot of research, digging into books, cross-disciplinary, et cetera. But, you know, to stand in front of a group of people who are predominantly Christian to conduct a witchcraft last rites kind of thing at graveside, it took a lot of work. And you never know when you're going to get called on to do that. So you got to think about those things and dig into it a little bit. I think Mortellus's book is good for that as well yes oh shit i'm sorry i forgot yes definitely sorry mortalis if you're listening also mortalis's book what do i meant their book didn't exist at the time but yes i agree their book is excellent okay and then let's wrap it up with what are we currently reading or would we recommend more like a non maybe not in a necessarily coven context but people who are just Expanding their practice it or looking for like really fun good books to read. So I'm currently reading um Diana Paxson's transportation book, um, and another one of hers. Um it's excellent and I love it and it's really good and it's changed the way I'm thinking about trance and trance induction. And I had a lot to say, a lot to think about after our solstice episode about trance stuff. Um and yeah, I got a lot out of it. Uh the second one I'm reading is Loki and Sigan by Leah Svensson. It's a look at uh, devotional stuff to Loki um, within a Norse heathen kind of context, but also about Sigyn, who is often overlooked um, in heathen spaces. What I really like about it is um, Leah Svensson is somebody who has worked with Loki for the last couple of decades, so has been through a lot of kind of the political stuff that happened around, like, Loki rituals were banned in certain spaces for a while and and that has kind of changed and and that and Leah Svensson has kind of lived through that so I really like some of the stuff in there I'm rereading Kabbalah for Wiccans because I'm trying not to hate the Kabbalah as much as I used to and Jack Chanak is helping me do that um highly recommend for fiction I would recommend The Orphan's Tales by Catherine Valenti just because it's awesome and she knows her stuff. So I'm still reading through Jack's book, Kabbalah for Wiccans, just because I'm trying, I'm trying not to rush through it. And I'm trying to actually go through all of the exercises and not just kind of use it as a tick box. I know um Thorn Mooney in one of her videos on YouTube, she mentions that she was reading a book by I forget the author's name. No, I don't. It's Christopher Pen Penzank. Penzak. I'm not Penzac. sure how to pronounce it. Penzak. The 13 Gates of Witchcraft. I think she mentioned that 
she read it she, and she just read through it without doing the exercises. And then she went back and actually worked through the exercises, which improved her craft and improved her personal craft and her personal journey. And ever since she said that, whenever I read books with exercises in them, I try to do them mindfully and not just as oh, I've done that so I can kind of move on. So yeah, I'm still in the process of reading Kabbalah for Wiccans is my is is the point I'm trying to make. I think the there needs to be a caveat here and that do all the exercises is a really good way to approach a book. Not, however, for Ray Buckland's um big book, big blue book, what's it called? Buckland's complete book of witchcraft. Because there's, there's activities where they're like, go and get some wood and build an altar in these steps. You'll need a drill and like Wait, a workshop. Are you, are you telling no, I need, me that I need you, you to do that. You, I haven't made the altar. You haven't made the altar. <laughs> you, ha- you haven't completed that book then. You need you to go. You're, when you're done with Triumph of the Moon. God. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, you can read Triumph of the Moon to me while I build the fucking altar out of the blue book. Okay, uh, my next question is, have you done the witch's cradle from... <laughs> the, like, and I, bondage, and I know that's a like... bit morbid, but, you know. <laughs> no, look, we can do it together once we're done with those other two projects. We can do it together. <laughs> we can work it out. Yeah, we can work it out. We need that on a t-shirt as well. We can, comma, work it out, exclamation mark. <laughs> Language teaches to the rescue. All right, so back on to what we're currently reading. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that. So the first two I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm currently reading them. I'm pretty sure they're going on to my training syllabus list, but they're not there yet because I haven't finished them. Um, first one is Consorting with Spirits. Um, your guide to working with invisible allies by Jason Miller. It's an excellent book. Um, I think it adds a good perspective to a model of magic working with, about working with spirits and that not enough people actually talk about that in a Western magic context. The other one is The Witch Compass, Working with the Winds in Traditional Witchcraft by Ian Chambers. I am about halfway through this one as well. What I like about it is although he does the hey traditional witches work in a compass as opposed to circle thing like most traditional witches do in their books um the perspective he gives when talking about how he works with a compass is very much how i work with a circle and i think it's a good introduction to show people how to do that in book form so both of those are probably going on my list the last thing is my daily commute i'm currently listening to the saxon stories um, The Last Kingdom, Pell Horseman, etc. And those are by Bernard Cornwell. So I'm currently listening through those. I think I'm on book three. Um, I did start the, the Netflix series a while back, but I, I stopped so that I could read the books, and then I'll go back and finish those up. I wish I had more books to recommend on it, like that I'm currently working through. Like, I am struggling. My commute is the same, Josie, but you seem to manage it much better than I am. I'm really struggling. I am just like looking up. I have a whole list of books that I've purchased recently that I haven't had time to read yet. Um, Like Jack Chanick's new Tarot tarot for Real Life. Um, This book called Fire Magic by Josephine Winter. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I mean, I'm honestly like I'm about to start my annual reread of The Hogfather right now. I'm going back through High Magic's Aid because I'm I haven't read it in a while and I'm tired of people telling me like, well, the answer to your question is in a High Magic's Aid. And I'm like, damn it. And Triumph of the Moon. And <laughs> I'm going to have to take notes this time and put tabs. Um, but I I feel like everything else that I've been like dabbling in lately or like would recommend I've already sort of mentioned in this um, podcast because so much of my reading has been geared towards developing my reading list, my recommended reading list for my students that I don't like. I've mentioned everything that I've been reading through lately. Oh, maybe I'll toss in um, 78 Degrees of Wisdom just because, you know, I mentioned tarot and I feel like sad if I don't mention 78 Degrees of Wisdom by Rachel Pollock, which is like the er tarot book. Um, I find it very helpful. Um, I spent like a year moving slowly through that book. That book doesn't get enough love. That's the best book on tarot I've ever read. She's she's very thorough. And like, you know, yes, you do kind of have to accept a little bit of you have to be willing to go along with the Kabbalah associations because that's definitely her shtick. But I think it's well worth it. Just read everything and critically examine it. I don't know. Just read everything. I also read Deb Lips uh, Elements of Ritual um, as one of those things where everybody was like, you have that's the book. It's, you know, you got to read it. It was really great. My students, I had never really read it, so we read it together. And I think it's a really interesting perspective, especially for people who are sort of new to ritual or who are looking to sort of do maybe like write their own rituals or who need to write outer court rituals and are looking for a way to do that from a different perspective without giving too much away. I think it's a really nice perspective on elemental work. There's a lot of controversy about the incorporation of elemental work in Wicca. But I think if you're interested in sort of another approach to the ritual template, that's a good way of going about that. If we're talking about Deb Lip, sorry, I can't, yes, not, no. I can't not recommend her Magical Power for Beginners. I think it's a far stronger book than the Elements book. Um, I've used it to teach newbies um, and like oldies as well. It's fantastic. It's really, really full of really good exercises that will give you a really good seating in like energy work and, and raising energy and all of that sort of gear. Her biography is awesome as well. I really enjoyed it. Her biography of whom? Uh, of her. Her own biography. Oh, her autobiography. Oh, her autobiography. I should, I should okay. say. I, sorry. sorry. I feel like then I just sort of like want to toss the hat in the ring just because we've mentioned it enough times at other points in this podcast that like Yvonne's book, All Acts of Love and Pleasure and Inclusive Wicca. And um, just for people who are looking to think about their practice in a different way. And you don't have to go along with what is said in these books. It's perfectly reasonable. Like James said, read everything. Like it's perfectly reasonable to read these things and be like, no, I don't agree. Or I'm going to take that, but I'm I'm not going to use it. But I think it's really worth reading and, you know, exploring um, from a different perspective. Um, and I'm going to add to that the Progressive Witchcraft um, by Janet Farrar and Gavin Bone for the same reason. Um, so those are more like on expanding our practice. Anything else? Peter, what did you hold up? What just came in the mail? 
a book? Was it a book? No, I'm going to Edinburgh for New Year's with my oh, partner yeah. and a couple of friends. So I've literally bought a, a woolly hat, a thermal hat, and some thermal gloves because Scotland is absolutely Baltic. Like Thanks. Wales at the moment is Baltic. And guess what, listeners? It's raining. Yay. Didn't you guys so, yeah. just get a lot of snow? We had, well, do you know what? It depends. It depends on the part of Wales that you live. Like we had a lot of snow down. Like, and I say a lot, it's not a lot. We had some snow and it's lasted for about a week and now it's turned into just ice. So it's like quite slippery and quite dangerous. But it has been really, really, really cold here, like minus six. Okay. Uh, getting up and I'm just like, no, I don't need a job no more. I don't need to get up in this. No. My favorite new thing that I've learned is this use of Baltic as an adjective by people in the UK is not a thing that I knew about. And it makes me really happy that like, that's hysterical that it's like, it's really Baltic to me. And it's super cold. That kills me. All right. Well, then we have talked about an awful lot of books in this episode. We started off talking about some controversial books some you know, not wildly controversial, just in general things that people sometimes recommend Seekers not read or prefer seekers not to read, then things that are on our own reading list, either for seekers or for people in our coven, and then things that we are currently reading and recommending. And then we looped back around and said, oh, no, let me just list all of these other books just in case. As our closing thought, I just want to point out, these are a lot of books. Books are expensive and they take up a lot of space. So what can you do to make this habit more affordable? First of all, talk to your local library. Your library often either has a book sharing program where they can borrow maybe even from academic libraries and get books to you. Also, they will sometimes just order books because you requested it. And that helps the author out as well, because then the library will purchase it. At least this is true for the U.S. Talk to your coven leaders. I know I have gone out of my way to purchase physical copies of all of the books that I would like my students to read so that I have it for them to borrow so that it's not as burdensome. Ebooks are cheaper and you can use some subscription services to borrow ebooks and and return ebooks as well so that can be more affordable. Um, used books of course are always a great option and there are various websites that offer used books to you. What other advice do you guys have for the affordability of supporting your book habit? If you're in the US Yes, get a library card, but there's a program called Libby that if you have a library card, it's an online lending website that will let you use that library card across their whole network. So you want to download ebooks, audiobooks, etc. across the whole network of all the participating libraries. Libby is where it's at. Hoopla does the same thing. H-O-O-P-L-A. Hoopla. If you're a student um, at a university or a, a, another educational institution, make the most of that library too. And often university libraries will do the same thing where they'll trade trade books and things. If there's a bunch of you wanting to read the same book, go halves, go quarters and just have a few copies and have a book club where you get together once every couple of weeks and talk about a chapter. Yes, we're talking about three of my coven members and I are talking about buying a very, very expensive book together after the holidays, possibly, because otherwise it's really not reasonable. I will note 
a lot of times occultists are hiding as library in academic libraries as employees and so like my high priestess was is an academic librarian and she will gleefully order books that she feels the library needs that she would like to really read like really weird occult books so yeah definitely academic libraries are a great resource i think mentioning a books as well is is useful a books is a website where you can um we can buy pre-loved books some of the new new handbooks are 20 odd pounds however many dollars that is but on a books you can get them at a reduced price because they're basically secondhand and pre-loved you know you don't have to have it's the same information whether it's new or whether it's it's already been read kind of thing so if you're on a budget definitely check out a books a b e b o o k s I will note, just in case people are trying to avoid them, Ape Books is now owned by Amazon. So if people are trying to avoid ordering from Amazon, which I know is not an option for a lot of people, Amazon just is what it is in terms of affordability and access, but they do own Ape Books. So that is worth noting. But, you know, Half.com is Half Book, whatever it's called, is owned by eBay. Like, monopolies are a thing and it's frustrating but i just wanted to make people aware okay well we've talked about an awful lot today and it's been an absolute pleasure we hope that you find joy in some of these books and find them useful as always we would love to hear your own recommendations as a reminder you can find us on instagram and facebook as circle talk for witches that's four as in the number twitter as circle for witches or email us at circle talk for witches at gmail.com if you have questions, queries, thoughts, or ideas for future discussions, please do get in touch. We would love to hear from you. From all of us at Circle Talk, Merry Meet, Merry Part, and Merry Meet Again.